Time now for News Talk WANI Sports. Brought to you by Top Hat Chimney Sweeps. If you have a chimney, make sure it's inspected by the best. Top Hat Chimney Sweeps of Auburn. With 20 years of experience, they are the pros. War Report Wednesdays as I've got Mike G on the line. Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? Oh, good morning, Ben. Uh, it has been uh, a busy basketball-wise. I would say a, a, it's, it's been a it's been a busy month already, but still, it's gotten even busier. And we'll get to the Alabama situation here uh, momentarily. But uh, to start things off, let's talk a little bit about uh, Auburn and Vandy this past weekend. I I was one of those that I put that in the category as a must-win, uh, and uh, it didn't end up. Ha- although it's tough because people don't realize Vandy had won four in a row going into that. They're now at five in a row and SEC play, which is apparently the first time they've done that. I don't want to say in history. I think the announcer said in like the last 20 years or so. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, that's – I think now Auburn is – there's they're not out of the tournament. I wouldn't necessarily even call them a bubble team right now because other teams winning are making them look a little bit better. But that was detrimental, I think, to the season yesterday, that the loss to Vandy or, or this past weekend. Well, yeah, Bruce Pearlson certainly thinks so. Uh, yesterday's uh, presser, he um, he said, "Hey man, we're in a position now where um, a loss to Ole Miss would be, you know, irrepar- might cause irreparable damage." And this is a quote: mm-hmm. "Irreparable damage because of the math." Mm-hmm. So you know they feel like because of that loss, they got to go out and get the next one. Absolutely, and you know it's going to be tough for them kind of moving forward when they play up and down the competition. So you know. It was it was hard. It was a hard loss. Uh, he took responsibility for the defense at the end uh, on the guard that drove in for the game-winning bucket. Um, there were some other things, too, that he talked about there where he said, this is on me. Mm. He didn't lay it at the feet of his guys. He said, this is on me. I should have called a better play. We should have drawn up a better defense. Uh, the coaching staff has to do a better job for the players. I mean, that's... That's good coach speaking all. However, Dylan Carwell said earlier in the week and uh he was quoted as saying, you know, it was on the players. He said they they didn't they didn't they didn't move and adjust like they should. You know, you're putting a you're putting a tough situation there. You can't put the guy on the line to get free shots and uh, and and foul him. Uh not to mention when he gets deep in the lane, you don't want to foul him and give him an opportunity to make a three-point play, then you really put yourself behind the eight ball. Um and but you got to try to put a stop on him, and he, it's not that he blew by everybody, but it was like he saw a seam and he took it, and then by the time help de- help defense came to the to the backside, it was too late. I mean, you know, laying it high off the glass and putting it in, and then that's when I said, I so I got a buddy. I don't I don't know if if you knew this or not. I got a buddy that uh, he graduated from Vandy and he played he played ball he played basketball at MTSU, uh, but then got his graduate degree from Vanderbilt, and he lives in Nashville. And they got season tickets, and he went. They didn't know what was going on at the end of the game, along with the announcers and everybody else with going to the replay and then them calling a foul and then the missed free throw and then the heave by Jalen that almost went in. He said that his heart almost stopped at the end of the ball game. That ball almost went in. Um, but Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was. I mean, what, what, that would have been a, per- a poetic ending to all that oh. madness if he had sunk that absolute heave of a prayer mm. uh, at the end of the game. Um, but there was a lot of madness been going on at the end of the game. Uh, I think, uh, again, 
uh, there were some odd whistles there in the way that they called that game. The refs called that game. Agreed. Uh, Liam Robbins seems like, man, every time he blinked, he got a foul, a foul called for him. Um, you know, at one point, you know, the announcer was like, oh, he's having a great game. He's 18, he's got 18 points and I'm like, or 22 points. And I'm like, hey, 18 of them are from the free throw line. Yeah. You know, with them just sending them there. So, uh, I did not, again, I, we're talking about officiating a lot. Um, I don't think the officiating was, was super terrible. At the end, I thought it was a little funny that they called Auburn back on the floor, put time back on the clock to call a foul on somebody. Oh, yeah, that because yeah, I never saw I never saw trouble. I never saw or heard a whistle. I never and I say saw because if you watch the officials, they'll raise their hand when they when they hit their when they hit their whistle uh, to, you know, and their hand raising is to signify stopping the clock. And when they showed the replay, I was like, the guy standing next to where the quote unquote foul took place did not raise his hand. Now, he may have blown his whistle, but he didn't raise his hand. And so I was like, who called this foul? They never said who called it. And so it was confusing there. Speaking of officials, and I, I don't want to turn this into an official bashing thing, but I, I noticed it last night in the Texas A&M-Tennessee game. What is the deal with going the entire game and like the last, let's say, four minutes of a ball game, all of a sudden when a ball goes out of bounds, they're immediately stopping play and going over and looking at the looking at the uh, monitor. I, this is this is prolonging games that I, I get it. You want to get the call right, but dad gum, man, it seems like it has just gotten worse towards the end of a ball game. They stop play to go look at the monitor. Yeah, I think again the problem is. Uh, the better officials, and I want to say that somebody had mentioned uh, in our community that it was the same group that officiated the Texas A&M game that Auburn played. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so uh, you know, I mean, ulti- I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, but like ultimately, um, uh, in the last two minutes, it is important to get calls right, certainly. Uh, but similar to the NFL, they've got to figure out how, a way how to make those reviews faster. Mm. Um, they just do. Uh, you can't stop the flow of the game, um, uh, you know, uh, because you're either stopping somebody from being in the flow of the game or you're giving another team a chance to get back in the flow of the game. Um, you know, it really does have an effect on the game itself. So, mm. you know, the, the, the NCAA, the SEC, they've got to figure out uh, something with these officials and these reviews, and you know they need to be. They need to make it clear to fans what situations are reviewable when they're reviewable. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm telling you, Ben, like I have a hard time understanding when they decide to review at the end of halves when the ball is out on somebody. Um, when they decide to go to the monitor, I think it's clear it was out on the other team and they called it. Or another, you know, you know, against or for another team, and I'm just like, what? Wait, what? Like, why? Why is that not reviewable? Mm-hmm. Or they'll go to the monitor, right, for certain things to see when a foul happened, if it occurred. Um, it just, it, I just think there would need some more clarification, you know, as media and as fans on what is reviewable and when it's reviewable, because they're all over the place. It feels like with this thing from game to game, and it's in critical moments, like you mentioned in the last couple minutes, where they're either taking forever to make a decision, and then they come out of it, and there's more confusion about the thing they decided than we had before we went in. 
Well, and last night, for instance, and it, it was at home for Texas A&M, and at the end of the ball game, uh, the ball was clearly out on one of the Tennessee players uh, down low. Um, the, the guy down at the basket that made the call uh, that was underneath the official under there, he was uh, he was willing to sit to let A&M have the ball. He called it. A guy from half court comes in and basically questions him and says, are you sure? And then they go to the monitor. And everybody goes, yeah, but you want to make sure you get it right. Okay, number one, first off, it was clearly out on the Tennessee player. And then when even when they showed the first replay, the announcer said, what are we looking at here? Like it, you can clearly see it's out on the on the Tennessee player. Number two, that allowed Tennessee to regroup to set up a defense, so it killed A&M's momentum, who was leading in the game at home. It's like they're playing against officials that are, quote-unquote, supposed to maybe give them a little home cooking. So it allowed Tennessee to regroup. They go and they huddle up. They set up a particular defense, and then on the inbounds, uh, they're able to make a trap, get a steal. Now, luckily, Texas A&M stole it back and got fouled and went to the line. It ended up icing the game, so it kind of backfired. But I was sitting there last night, and I'm not an A&M fan or a Tennessee fan, but I'm sitting there going, this is just stupid. It clearly was out on Tennessee. Now Tennessee has been allowed to meet and huddle up with the coaching staff, set up a defense to set up a trap on the inbounds play. They were able to get that trap. They just happened to turn it back over. Uh, That that would have been – because at that time – they were only two down. So, I mean, they tied that ball game. You may be talking about a different ending, all because a half-court official is questioning the call of the underneath official when the call was clearly his call to make. And I, I'm i like you. I just think some – I don't know in the offseason if officials need to get together and say, look, we can't – a guy on the other end of the floor doesn't need to be – you know, it's that whole thing like in football where you see a guy call pass interference from the other side of the field. And and the official right in front of the play did not throw the flag on pass interference, and you're sitting there going, "Why does that guy get to make the call? What, what's what's happening here?" Right. The, the guy on top of it made didn't make the call, and a guy you know 50 yards away did. So uh, I say that to say this is uh, I think tonight Ole Miss tries to ugly it up as much as possible and tries to steal a win from Auburn inside of Neville Arena this evening. So uh, keys to success for Auburn this evening. Yeah, I mean. Coming full circle, Auburn is not good enough uh, to play against the officiating that we're talking about. <laughs> so they've got to find a way to eliminate the mistakes that are on them, right? Um, so that we're not talking as much about the officials at the end of these games. I think Bruce Pearl knows it. Um, you know, all these games have been winnable uh, that they've lost here in SEC play. Uh, so they've got to find a way again uh, to get back in here, uh, get focused for these last four games. All messes up. Um, you got one more home game left, left after this, but you got to go on the road and you got to play Kentucky and Alabama, and they've got to get one of those games. Uh, so they're in do or die mode here, uh, Ben, uh, and I think Bruce Pearl knows it. Joe Lenardi had us a projected, even after the loss to Vandy, uh, still projected, I think, as a nine seed uh, in the tournament. Um, however, like you just said, is, is it being gut check time? Uh, I, that nine seed is projected with Auburn getting a win over Ole Miss and possibly getting one of the last three as well. 
Um, so that could quickly go from a nine seed to a no seed. Uh, and you don't want to put yourself in a position to have to win three or four games in the SEC tournament in order to try to make a, a, a bid at the NCAA. So uh, you mentioned uh, Auburn going to Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, yesterday's fallout after police reports were, were set out and uh, and the touted freshman and, and potential lottery pick Miller uh, being named in, in the police report for delivering the gun to Darius Miles and uh, – Contrary, I don't, you know, not necessarily get into what Nate Oates said because I think he got caught up in doing coach speak and using cliches, and that's why he did the wrong place, wrong time thing, uh, which I think was a poor choice of words, but I don't think he meant anything by it. it that's just my opinion. I know a lot of people are kind of piling on him for that, uh, and then he made his he made his apology. But as I said, when coaches get in front of a microphone, they get that coach speak. All of a sudden, all the cliches come out, and I think he just chose the wrong one, and um, and so being caught up in the moment, but. My theory is I think that the Alabama coaching staff was just as shocked that Miller was named in that police report as the rest of us were. I don't think that they were forthcoming, and I don't think people let the staff know. I don't think Miller let the staff know, hey, by the way, I took him the gun. And so they were kind of caught off guard just as much yesterday as the rest of us were. Yeah. When these things happen, there's always a bunch of damage control that has to happen after. Um, and I agree with you 100%. It's one of the things that I thought, right, is that, again, instead of being probably truthful, now we don't know, um, but in saying, hey, you know, we didn't know about this, right? So, right. Um, you know, the law has decided that he is not to be charged at this time, um, and we're going to spend some time talking uh, to, to Miller and just you know, sorting through some things like, you know, it was, it was, it was really poorly handled. And like, listen, I don't know if any coach is really um, equipped then to speak off the cuff about being an accessory to murder. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure that was in the coaching playbook when you're coming up through the high school ranks. Right. But, um, you know, it was a misstep. It was a poor choice of words. Um, and, at the end of the day, you know, my understanding is is that he was returning um, a gun that was legally owned by Miles at his request. Mm. Um, now, uh, could a better decision have been made by this young man? Absolutely. Uh, listen, if you call me in the middle of the night telling me you need a gun, <laughs> I'm like, I'm probably like, hey, man, what's up, man? It's three in the morning. Like, why do you need me to bring you a gun now? Uh <laughs> And I'm probably not doing it based on your answer. Mm. Yeah, and, well, so, and I said that, too, because there were people trying to defend it and, and say, you know, well, you know, he's 18. He didn't really know what I'm like. No, even at 18, as you just said, I, I put myself back at 18 years old. And if a buddy calls me at two in the morning and says, hey, that gun that's in my room at my nightstand, I need you to get that to me. My first question is going to be, why? Well, what are, what's going on? Um, not well, okay. It was in Miller's car, wasn't it? I think it was in his car. Yeah, I think it was in his car. Makes, yeah, which makes me think again: why is a gun being left in your car? Like, there are so many questions I have about again these young men putting themselves in situations uh, that they should not be in. Again, this is about to me. It's not about whether or not he is 
really an accessory to capital murder because, I mean, based on the fact that we know now, uh, he didn't know, but he should have asked questions. This is about judgment, mm-hmm. right? And when you have these young men who are, you know, public figures and, you know, it, it, it is about judgment. I think if you were in the NBA, um, again, you know, in pro sports league, especially the NFL, they will suspend you for less. Mm-hmm. Right? Because at the end of the day, you are an ambassador for the game and for the brand. And when you make a bad decision, it reflects on the brand. So you have to be accountable for that. And um, I've just seen them suspend people for less. And I think here, Alabama would have been better from a PR standpoint, taking that stance, saying, hey, we understand that he was not, but we expect better decision-making, mm. right? He got up in 3 in the morning and took a gun to somebody. That's just not a good decision. I think that's okay to say, you know, two things can be true. That cannot be a good decision, and he cannot be an accessory to capital murder, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, this wasn't a good decision, Ben, at all. No, and even dating back, I mean, uh, we'll interject Auburn and Bruce Pearl in this. When Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee at the time, uh, he ended up kicking a kid off the team, UT's top player at the time, Tyler Smith, just for having a gun inside of his off-campus apartment uh, when he found out and gave word of it. So as you just said, there have been repercussions from other programs where players have been not even involved in any sort of murder or shooting and still been reprimanded because of being around you know, a weapon or a handgun, and as I said, uh, Tyler Smith being kicked off the University of Tennessee's team back during the Bruce Pearl era when he was coaching there. So I don't know what Nate right. Oates does moving forward. I don't, you know, he he's got a five star. They're making a tourney run and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, at some point in time, you got to kind of reflect and get with the administration and say, hey, we need to do the right thing here. What 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 do we need to right, do to right. make this right? And so, well, let me, let me let me give you this, Ben. Um, when I was in college, my sophomore year at Auburn, I got my first car. Mm. And when I got my first car, my dad is a retired police officer. He said, son, I want you to be, I want to be very clear here about who you let in your car and what they have on you and what happens when you get pulled over. So, uh, he said, he, you know, he made it clear. He said, listen, sometimes in the eyes of the law, the driver is the most responsible for what's in the car. Mm. So if you have people in your car and they have weapons on them, uh, as far as the law is concerned, you have it on you. So you need to be careful and you have good judgment about who you let in your car and make sure you know what they have on them because if you get pulled over, um, the cop is going to hold you the most responsible for what's in your car as the driver and the owner of the vehicle. Mm. I have questions about why this kid, who, as far as I know, is not legally I mean, the the gun was registered to somebody else. You're not legally able to possess that gun in the state of Alabama. It was in your possession. Mm. You possessed it, and then you transported it to somebody else, and it wasn't yours, and you're not legally able to possess that thing. That's just a bad decision, right? And I don't think that it's wrong to point out that that is a bad decision. And I don't, I don't think it would be wrong for there to be repercussions from NATO's side to say, hey, like, you're going to sit the next couple out, and we want you to understand why. Yep. Son, you got to make better decisions, man. Listen, these kids are, you know, say, you know the, the repercussions help save these kids' lives down the road, Ben, right? Yes. Because they have to understand why some, some things are wrong 
so they do not put themselves in these positions again. Nate Oates has to step up here, man, and be a man and teach this kid why this was wrong. And I'm going to say it again. Nate Oates needs to step up and be a man here, right? And he just puts his kid's life and his lesson before basketball. Very, very well said. They, 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 coaches preach it all the time. They're here to give them life lessons. Here's one. Here's an opportunity to do so. Uh, Mike G., how can they follow you guys and find out where you guys are? Yeah, check us out at the War Report. Uh, we're releasing a lot of interviews right now, Ben. You so, are, yes. Uh, if you haven't seen our Hugh Freeze interview, go check that out. We released a uh, 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 a interview with uh, Stephen Pearl. Mm. sat down with us and gave us, man, a really good interview. We released that Sunday. Monday, we released John Cohen, uh, and this Thursday, uh, we sat down with head coach, basketball coach uh, on the women's side, Johnny Harris. She sat down and talked with us. We've got even more content coming, so check us out on YouTube at The War Report. Absolutely love it, man. As always, I appreciate your time on a Wednesday. All right. Thanks, Ben. You Have got it. One. Positive Thought and Fox News coming up next on News Talk WANI. News Talk WANI, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. WANI.